he'd always use green at the beginning of the session to try to help neutralize the person's energy field, basically, or their body. So if an area was overactive, it would bring it down. If it was underactive, it would bring it up. So, but whereas red, orange, yellow would be used to stimulate the body. So if a part of the body was underactive and underperforming, then after green, if it needed more work, then he would shine one of those more stimulating colors onto the body. Hey, greetings everybody. So uh, this is me once again, Medicine Muse, and I'm here today. Very, very happy to have Kimberly. I can't say your surname again now. Shipke. Shipke. Yes. In the space with me, um, crowning series conversational meeting place. <laughs> um, Kimberly is a woman that I met. I met you at the Ubuntu Festival which was such an interesting gathering of minds and um, technologies, people from all over the world doing very interesting things with science and with sound and with color and light and animal communication and all sorts of things to, um, in an effort to, to really dive deeper into creating or co-creating a, a what can I say, ohana, sangha, community, family of, of earth living beings <laughs> and, and guide harmonious harmony into the space and that kind of stuff through, through the work. And so Kimberly was there and um, we connected. She came to a cacao ceremony that I served and we had an instant connection and that was great. I went to a, a what was it called, a, a demonstration that she and um, one of her colleagues at the time did. And um, that was a very big experience for me. And then I said, hey, if you want to come to Cape Town and do a training, you can come to my house. I'll, you can, I can host you. So we got to know each other better. Kimberly's a scientist, which is why I'm also so excited that she's here, because we don't get so many people who are both scientists and phenomenal healer type people you are, you know. <laughs> so, Kimberly, will you introduce yourself? And I've forgotten, yeah, say also the name of, of your works that so that people can find yeah. it. Absolutely. Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. I really appreciate you having me on your show. Um, I My background is in biomedical engineering, so I developed a cyclic pressure bioreactor to test heart valves at different pressure levels and different heart rates. And so I went the very, you know, science route, but then I oversaw clinical trials for big pharmaceutical companies. So I was listening to the study drug versus the placebo, which is belief and, and seeing all of the different side effects and how many people's faces are twitching and tongues are swollen and how many people are hospitalized, how many people died. 
And, you know, this, you know, more, more chemistry based, you know, treatment method was kind of shocking and awing to me. So uh, luckily I, the company that I was working for got shut down for kind of illegal practices and started going into alternative therapies. Wow. Um, Can I ask you a quick question? Because I didn't know part of your story. Um, Did you, Did you also have the experience of seeing people become healed and stuff like that when they were just taking placebos? Well, absolutely. There's a whole paper that they've done on the placebo effect. And, you know, the power of belief is is so powerful that they the way that they organize their clinical trials has to take the, the belief in their mind out of it. They have to double blind the person who's taking it and the person who's doing the research study, because if one of them believes that it's working then, or knows that it's working, then it'll work better. So they've, they've had to, you know, try to really, they just showed that your mind is a very powerful thing. Mm, And if you believe that you're getting better, you can, you know, there's, there's people and healers who, you know, and I've even had friends who've been in just recently got out of the hospital and they were closing their eyes and sending healing to that part of their, their body. And, you know, they, doctors didn't think that they were going to get out of there. And, you know, that's, you know, with that and prayer, they believe that that is what helped them get out of the hospital. And now they're walking around Central Park in New York. And, you know, no, people didn't think that they were, he was going to make it out of the hospital, but he believed he knew he could. That must have been quite a big, made quite a big impact on, I would imagine, on you doing those trials and experiencing that um, as a scientist? Well, while I was overseeing clinical trials, I had a seizure. So I, my heart stopped. I stopped breathing, heart stopped, everything. I had to have mouth to mouth. And they ran $10,000 worth of tests on me and a $1,000 ambulance ride. And I was 21 days. I hadn't worked at the company. You've got to work there for 90 days for insurance. I was 21 days from insurance. So I had like $11,000 worth of tests and they couldn't tell me what was wrong with me. They said, it could be a brain tumor, but we know you don't have insurance. Do you want to pay for a CAT scan? And I was like, no. (laughs) And I signed myself out. So I ended up going up to Boulder and met with some different alternative therapies. I was like, well, if this isn't going to help me, they wanted me to take Dremamine for the rest of my life for my dizziness. And I went to Boulder and tried some alternative therapies. They were like, are you on birth control pills? And that was, you know, I'd been on birth control pills for almost 10 years. And they were like, do you know, have this, 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 or this. And I was like, how do you know my life? (laughs) You know, it blew my mind. Everything that that he said I had. So I stopped taking them. I took some, he gave me some drops to clean up my pineal gland in my brain because um, the birth control pills were kind of depositing in like residue in that part of the brain. And that's what caused me to have my seizure. So I think it's interesting that if all of the pharmaceuticals, birth control pills are called the pill, it's the pill of all pills, you know, and it makes women, you know, their body think that they're pregnant. So they've got hormones of a, of a pregnant woman, which can be all over the place. So then it's like, well, why are women so crazy? It's like, well, you know, a lot of us are probably on the pill. (laughs) So Anyway, so that was my journey into like, okay, well, this medicine isn't, you know, working for me. And plus I was seeing the clinical trials for the pharmaceuticals and I was like, definitely don't want to go that route. And so 
I started studying um, more physics-based. I wanted to study more about light. I went to the World Research Foundation and learned more about spectrochrometry and uh, spent a month with Elizabeth Rauscher, who's the nuclear and astrophysicist, who um, used external electromagnetic fields to pace the heart. So she made an external pacemaker that could, um, like having a magnet one on one side of a piece of glass and a magnet on the other side of a piece of glass, and you move one magnet and the other magnet follows. That's how she was able to pace, create an external pacemaker that could help do that. So I went and studied electromagnetic fields and more about the biofield, the energy that's around the body that is invisible that you can't see. Um, but, you know, these electric fields with EKGs, they're measuring the electrical activity at the heart, but that electrical activity actually radiates out and you can measure um, those energy fields, which isn't something that they taught very much when I was in school in bioengineering. They didn't talk. I mean, we took physics one through three and we talked, you know, some about the electromagnetic spectrum, but not how it relates to the human body specifically in bioengineering, which um, so I went on a deep dive into research. I went and spent a lot of time in India. I went and spent time with the Zoroastrians and Mumbai, the Parsi and oh, the Zoroastrians. Fascinating. The Zoroastrians. Yeah. yeah, it was quite fascinating. I spoke at their conference several times. Um, what did you get yeah. from them? Well, one of the books that they have, um, it's called the Sudra, and there's the divine universal laws of light and sound. I don't know if you can read that, but um, so I was studying a lot of their work relating to how they use sound and light, and it's been pretty fascinating. Yeah, because that's a really old Zoroastrianism is, is an old thing. That's coming it's one of the oldest religions, yeah. From kind of Samaria, isn't it? Like Persia, originally from Persia. Yeah. Wow. Parsis. What, yeah. what a fantastic thing to add into your medicine basket. Nice one. <laughs> it, was, it, it was wild. Yeah, it was a wild experience. They've got their Zoroastrian colleges in Gujarat and in India. So we've been there. They also have a spectrochrometry machine, which is something that uh, is near and dear to the work that I do. Uh, now with lasers, I named it the spectrochrome laser after a Zoroastrian, Dinshaw um, Gadiali, his technique of spectrochrometry. So I'm trying to kind of keep his work moving and, and getting it out to the masses. Oh, that's fantastic. Um, I've got two questions that you might be able to weave the answer from one into the other. They, they might just weave nicely the answers. Okay. So one is... Would you, or following your understanding of the biofield and all of the work that you've done with it and, and stuff like this, would you say that the the word aura is descriptive of that same field? That's the one question. Or is it just an aspect of the biofield? And then the second question is the, the spectrochrome machine. Yes. Oh. And, and then your spectra laser, like, what does that mean? <laughs> Spectrochrome, you know, in, okay. in terms of the biofield and the workings of stuff. Yes, absolutely. Okay, so 
the biofield is made of electromagnetic spectrum. So there are a lot of overlapping fields from the field of a cell to the field of a tissue to this field of an organ and the field of the human body and then how it interacts with the fields of trees and how it's a universal consciousness field. But we're all generating and radiating these waves of energy out of our system you know, whether it's our heartbeat or our voice or whatever, but we're also receiving signals. So we're always kind of a receiver and a transponder and sending and transmitter and sending this, this energy out and around to our field. So when, you know, these clairvoyants or clear seers, you know, we're able to see in that, that visible spectrum or more into that ultraviolet, maybe just slightly outside of the normal visible range, but they could see the emanations of light radiating from from a person. Um, I know one of the first technologies that, that I use to study the energy field is a thermal imaging camera. And so thermal imaging is the infrared part of the spectrum. And so you can see the heat that's radiating from the body. So anybody who's ever stood next to somebody who just, you know, finished playing a basketball game and you can feel all of that heat that's coming off of them. It's invisible, but you can feel it. It's something that is tangible. Well, we release a lot of heat off of our head, actually. So being able to see the thermosphere of the human body, this camera was able to kind of show how this heat radiates off of the body. So even just in the thermosphere, you can see a lot more of this like, as I said, heat that can, you know, kind of emanate off from around the head and the thermal spectrum. Um, so, yes, Aura. I'm profound because that, as you said that, as you said that, I could kind of almost like the camera was playing tricks with my eyes. <laughs> well, it's like a mirage. So some of the people, what they recommend to be able to practice seeing auras are those old stereogram posters where it looks just like a bunch of fuzz that would be on TV back in the day. <laughs> um, and then, you know, you take your eyes out of focus or you're looking through the stereogram and then suddenly you can see a dolphin or, or giraffe like in, in the picture, but normally you wouldn't be able to see, but you got to kind of play a trick with your eyes. Well, that's what people, you know, can kind of train themselves to kind of look through a person and then you can kind of start to see an edge or a glow on the edge of their field and then you know if you keep taking it out of focus you might but as soon as you try to focus on it it'll go away so it's kind of a process that you can do of taking your eyes out of focus and just trying to see instead of look at something and um and it is kind of miragey like the heat that you see coming off of a hot road so you can just kind of see that etheric movement of chi and energy around people if you don't for you know don't try too hard yeah I've, I've seen i do see glimpses here and there of of that as well so i can totally relate what you're saying and then also i mean coming back to the biofield what i learned when you came to my house and did a training process and those days you were working primarily with tuning forks um yes. which which i still work with now as well and i know you do too it's fantastic to work with the, the metal strong as well um one of the things that also and and an aspect i think that i work very strongly with is how the biofield also speaks to other timelines and also ancestral frequencies ancestral in the dna stuff and like all of that thing so that's also very interesting to me 
Um, do you have anything to say on that? And then weaving into the spectrosphere. Well, well, I can say that, you know, I remember when I first worked on you and I wasn't fully aware of, you know, the work that you do with the ancestors. So yeah, working on the edges of the field and then along these kind of ancestral rivers was, was very powerful, but, you know, it's interesting, the kind of information and those kind of instincts or dominant traits that you can inherit from your uh, lineage. And it's interesting. Also, I've done a lot of research once I learned how to do this tuning, you know, I think about having a whole room of guitars and they're all tuned to the same frequency and you pluck one and they all vibrate. So I think of that with, you know, DNA and ancestral lines. And so I'm like, well, what happens if I tune, you know, my parents, that's the two chords of the DNA that is me, if I tune my parents. And then my grandmother was the one who actually made the egg that became me when my mom was in her womb and her ovaries were made. So I'm like, what happens when I tune my, my grandmother? So I've been doing a lot of, you know, I've tuned aunts, uncles, cousins, siblings, you know, I've, you know, really worked on the family dynamic and it's, it's really quite been profound seeing the shifts that I've, I've seen in people, things that, you know, used to, I'd be like, oh man, that's really going to set them off. Like just seeing an interaction. And I was like, wow, they're staying super calm and they're not even getting upset about it. So it's, a, you, it's a surprising how um, more harmonious things can become within the family once everybody starts to get tuned and resolve some of this um, kind of resistance in their field. And once more of this resistance is out of their field and they can kind of go with the flow a lot more and not get phased by what somebody says or what somebody does, they can stay more solid, coherent and grounded and not get thrown off. So I, I love, you know, doing work with ancestral family because you know, that's a very powerful, you know, blood connection is, you know, so there's a resonance there, whether you like it or not. <laughs> so, <laughs> yep. Okay. And then that's weaving into the spectro spectro. Yeah, I forgot to answer that second question earlier. So the yeah. spectrometry machine that I was saying that uh, one of the originals that they still have at the Zoroastrian college in Gujarat, um, was developed by Dinsha, and what it has is a full spectrum bulb and then different colored filters that you would put in front of it like they would do at like a at a movie or a, a theater production concert um, and so these full spectrum bulb would shine different colors from red to violet but also he had lemon lime turquoise and then purple magenta and scarlet and so the these three colors where it's like the rainbow you know these three are he considers on the back of the rainbow like on like you can't see so these powerful colors of purple which was used by royalty magenta which is worn by the pope and scarlet which is often worn by the cardinals you know they're very powerful colors but it does help kind of bring that the kind of he calls it more of a toroid than just like a rainbow somewhere over the rainbow, those magical colors. Uh, it's a really fascinating book. So when I went to uh, the World Research Foundation back in 2009 and met Steve Ross and was asking him more about light, he'd given me these two books uh, 
from the Zoroastrian. And I didn't even know that in, you know, six months time, I was going to be in Mumbai and meeting Zoroastrians. But um, so this is spectrochrometry encyclopedia. And it's not that thick of a book, but there's a lot of really amazing information and he, how he breaks down the electromagnetic spectrum numerically and as in octaves and different things like that. So this was a real eye-opener, mind-blowing book for me. And then this, this is the other book that Steve Ross gave me. It was called Let There Be Light. And this is a more of a how-to. So what colors you would put where and, and for how long. So this kind of got me started into this work. So I was, as you said, I was working with tuning forks for a really long time. I was working with coherent sound and I wanted to get back into light. And so I started working with a green laser. So Dinshaw didn't, was working back in the 1920s and 30s. And lasers didn't get declassified by the military until the 1950s or 60s. And so he didn't even have access to, you know, this as a, a light source. So green, he'd always use green at the beginning of the session to try to help neutralize the person's energy field, basically, or their body. So if an area was overactive, it would bring it down. If it was underactive, it would bring it up. So, but whereas red, orange, yellow would be used to stimulate the body. So if a part of the body was underactive and underperforming, then after green, if it needed more work, then he would shine one of those more stimulating colors onto the body. And then on the other side, if it was um, overactive, then he could use uh, the blue, indigo, violet, those more kind of cooling, calmer colors to help um, bring that energy back down. But there were certain contraindications for red. Like if somebody's nervous system is already shot, which I think to 2020 and 2021 pretty much shot a lot of people's nervous system. But the last thing you, you're going to need is red. Um, you know, I've got a friend of mine, she's got a client who keeps sitting in front of this red light because it's, it does stimulate cell division. And so they're using it for facial and like health and beauty, but it's like green lighting their, their brain. And so they've been having all this issues with uh, being agitated and anger. They were seeing red that when my friend finally was like, you know, please stop using that red light and try this green laser. And they couldn't believe how much their entire system changed from using red light every day to switching to green, that it really helped bring them back into balance. So um, it can be used to help balance your emotions because this uh, Dinshaw was using it to help balance the pituitary and the pineal gland. So it can really help if you're uh, one of my favorite ways to use it is if I think of something from the past and it still makes me really sad, or I think of something from the past and it still makes me really angry when I think about it, um, being able to put the laser on, on my, on my body and just think back through that memory. And so I might still feel all that charge that's in there. And then the second time I play through it, it's like, okay, I feel a little bit of charge in here. And then maybe by the third or fourth time, it might feel like, okay, that's happened. And so I don't feel, you know, and then it stops coming back into my mind. So I'm not like constantly thinking about this thing that happened yesterday or this thing that happened 15 years ago, you know, that I won't let go that, um, 
that that can and so then when somebody were to do something or say something that was similar to one of these events i'm going to be coming from a neutral space rather than coming from a really emotionally charged space because you know that's happened to me but you know four other times and now you're doing it again and i'm going to come from this brah um or it's like oh wow you're doing this and i feel totally neutral <laughs> you know like i don't feel charged at all this is amazing um so that's one of my favorites because there's uh, with tuning forks, some of the work that we were doing, you could really only work up until like three, maybe four years ago. And then there's this gap of like, you know, more recent events that you can't really touch with the tuning fork. Um, so with the laser, it kind of helped fill in that gap where, you know, I can work on something that happened yesterday. I can work on something that just happened. Um, and there's, and I don't have to like wait to be able to work and process through that um that situation so i think also helping talking to my friends and like hearing uh, like throughout the day you know if we're telling stories about something and then they remind me of something that i haven't thought about in a really long time and i start telling you know my story from that i'm like wow i can feel how like electric i am really retelling this story that i haven't you know thought about or talked about in a really long time and so that's type of thing where I'll, I'll be like, I'm going to come home and laser that when I get home. So then I grab my laser. And, and so that's something to just kind of bring your awareness to. So the more that I've, I've started using the laser, the more that I'm like, oh, I'm going to go laser that, you know, so uh, it's been a pretty amazing journey for sure. It must have been especially amazing over this last few years um, to work with. I know that <clears throat> The, from from my own work that I do as well with the, the metals, with the forks and also the other metals, the bowl, singing bowl is also a really amazing metal to work with. And it's, it's kind of in some ways more gentle. It can be more gentle. Yeah. Um, and I've also seen how working with, with the forks, for example, the, what we were talking about or what we were referring to in the beginning, which is kind of, could be said, you know, the, the power of, I suppose, how the mind directs the process or the living experience, the mind, which, which we could call belief or faith um, or intention or awareness, focused, focused awareness, um, you know, like the, like myself personally, if, if I'm working with a fork, then it's so important that I work with calm as well and gentleness and because the the forks can slice they can be like swords they're very very strong um that sound but i know that you've spoken to me before about um what you started noticing during the hard lockdown time and then from there mm -hmm. you know like with people you were treating and even your own nervous system and stuff like this and so it changed some of the ways that you were working and i'm interested for you to share a bit of that and and also where things are at now what you're noticing um you know because a lot has shifted and i feel like over this period of time people have grown so much so much has opened and moved and so i'm very interested to notice or to hear what you're noticing in the biofield how it's responding in the i don't know how much you've been working with timelines you referred to that a little bit yeah. Well, 
when it when we first locked down um it was pretty intense i was still able to do some work um it was mostly in the feet you know and the feet are all about you know being able to how you're going to move forward and then you know being able to step away from the old and or you know feeling free or do you feel stuck so so being stuck and unable to move forward it was like i was i was working feet and knees pretty much everybody who was coming in that's where they needed to have some work done was in their feet and knees um but then as it's started to get a little bit more like serious now and we're going to lock down for even longer it, you know it started to get a little bit more intense and um there's a fork that we use uh it's a 174 hertz fork that you know we I'd use it all the time all the time but it started sounding like nails on a chalkboard and I was like people's energy fields were just like screaming and so I was like this doesn't feel appropriate and you know, normally we would work through a person's, as I was telling you, we'd work through a person's field. We might work through a person's timeline. It's like a needle on a record at the edge of the field. You find information with ancestral and birth, and then you start working your way up to halfway through their life to more recent events as you get closer. <laughs> what, um, but that was, it's like, there was so much that people were, were having to process at that time. It was like, they were just trying to figure out what, what are we going to do, you know, today or, you know, this week or the next few days that they couldn't, there was no space mentally for them to process a trauma that happened to them when they were seven years old or like birth trauma. Like now that was not the time that we could be, you know, tuning and working and bringing up and drudging up some of these old traumas in their field. So, you know, I really would only work on clearing this space and kind of taking the pressure off of these nerve plexes here. We've got these little bundles of, of nerves here and they can sometimes get electrical activity can sometimes get out of whack. So holding that coherent input for the tuning fork right in front of the throat, it allows the body to auto tune itself. So you, it's like somebody having a guitar that's in tune and somebody having a guitar that's out of tune You keep giving that coherent input and the body hears where it's off and will tune itself. So let me clear the space right in front. It can really help open up the energy field, help them express, you know, cause a lot of what people were doing is they were going inward instead of being able to go outward and be like, you know, I need to talk to somebody about this, or I need support in this, you know, people were trying to manage all of their emotions, you know, inwardly. So I would just kind of like help them open up and express and be grateful with their heart and shining their light and their belly and their digestion and how they're digesting what was going on in the world. Um, so that was probably from about mm, April, like beginning of April, end of March is when people were really starting to like, this is really getting serious. Um, I couldn't tune anybody into their timeline for at least seven or eight months. It wasn't until really 2021, the beginning, it was like the next year. It's like everybody mentally like, okay, we're going to move on from this. Then I could start to, in a few people, start working they were ready to start working through some of their trauma but now 2022 even from like november of last year it's like people are ready to go through anything they're ready to drop all of it you know like all their past doesn't matter they're just letting it go and so instead of you know how we'd normally drop in you know a certain amount of energy now it's like 
truckloads that people are like, I'm letting it go. I don't even care. Like that happened. And I'm just going to like, like keep my eye on the future and like power forward and just forget all those things. So, you know, we've been able to clear a lot of resistance out of, out of their field. And especially, like I said, when I add the laser together, I can shift even more because the laser is always trying to keep the the system. So when the tuning fork will trigger a trauma and their system goes, blah, the laser is always like, nope, let's bring that to neutral. So I'm getting a lot of more work done, but I honestly think that the people that I'm working on, at least my, the clients that are, are coming to me now, they're like, I'm ready to let it go. Like, yeah, yeah. that happened. So, yeah. yeah, that's profound. I mean, in the work that I do in the ancestral field, you know, like mostly that's or a lot of the work I do is in the ancestral field with whatever I'm working with, um, with folks, with whatever. I actually I started noticing um, at the it already in 2021. Actually, you know, like when when we were in lockdown, things and that kind of stuff. The the few people that I was tuning, and then it got a bit more. The ancestral field started letting go. Like, ancestral stuff was shifting, so much easier. You know, like it was really profound. But I mean, this not just working with folks, working also with my voice, and you know, all of that stuff. So I think it's. Um, yeah not not too much like sword there's lots of different frequencies mixing together when you sing together with them as well but it's been profound to witness how like prior to this what i call this crowning period that corona is really like exemplifying and the uh the omnicron and omnis omniscient crowning experience <laughs> takes you through your your emotions yeah um really awesome but yeah the it's been really profound to see how easily the the stuff that's not essentially ours or the client or the person's yours which because it comes from through the ancestral connections has just been letting go so easily right yeah well I think that, you know, the world has really come together a lot as well with this whole lockdown, you know, watching the Italians all, you know, singing to each other, like in the streets and, and just seeing, um, I don't know, I, I feel like we've all kind of got a, a better grasp on what's going on around the world, whether they're putting it on the news or not. I feel like we have kind of grown as a, as a global community. Um, you know, there was a psychologist, his name is uh, Glenn Martin. He's from Ohio and we met in India and he was explaining the evolution of consciousness of men through the chakras. So the base obviously being that, that fight or flight, you know, just survival of the fittest and then the sacral chakra, you know, better numbers, being able to have a village or, or kind of coming together in, in a group in a community. And then the solar plexus, how eventually in that community, there was, you know, somebody who's going to be the leader, the king. Um, and then moving on into the, the romantic era, after, you know, with the arts and, and music. And then the invention of the radio and communication and people being able to communicate across vast distances once the radio was developed. 
And then the hippie movement with LSD and people's brows all getting activated and being able to see that we can have love and peace and, and, and not war and, and know that it's possible. And then moving into the crown where this is the interconnection, this is the world wide web. This is how you and I can, can talk to each other instantaneously, even though we're, we're worlds apart. So, um, but that was kind of his amazing. And, and I think he's written a book about it, but he hasn't come out with it yet. I don't think. Um, but there's also the seven deadly sins and the seven heavenly virtues, and they also relate to the seven major chakras. And so this crown where we're at right now is all about pride versus humility. And so I think that we've been humbled. <laughs> I think we have been humbled in a very, very big way. Um, and I think that humility is the key and that community that where we met with Ubuntu, you know, I think that that is the way to be, you know, be humble. Yeah. That, and, uh, and full of pride. That and I will. So sense. That makes so much sense. Pride and humility living in the crown. Mm. Yeah. Sure. That's uh, I do remember that session in Ubuntu when we shortly we we'd just gone to your cacao ceremony and then it was I think it was just later on in the day you came to that yeah. session and I and I remember I had offered you know I got myself into this I I offered to hold space you know and, you know in front for for everybody in the room and as soon as that was offered and there was I, like how many people fifty I could be. Yeah, <laughs> people in the room and all of their fields came and joined together could, with yours. I yeah. could feel them. It was yeah. like, boom, 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 and it was all, they were all like stacking on me in the chair. It was really, really quite profound. And, um, you know, some things were coming up that, um, you know, I hadn't, you know, if some, I've only told like a handful of people. So for, for these dramas, so like, okay. And then I, you know, kind of out with it. And I think I we started crying quite a bit, but then it was like, I was like, it, these weren't my tears. Like all of this was coming down my face. And I was like, these aren't, you know, this isn't mine. So, you know, holding space for that many people was very intense. Um, but one thing that had never come up before and all of my tuning, and I had been getting tuned for, I think about nine years at that point. So almost a decade of me getting worked on my grandpa Shipke, his death had never come up before ever. And then suddenly we're here in front in South Africa in front of all of these people. And she's like 13 sadness, grief, loss. And I just look over her like stunned. And I'm like, that's when my grandpa died. And I was just like, oh. <laughs> you know, it was, I was like South Africa bringing in that ancestral power, you know, and it was, it was really quite amazing. And I could feel you over there helping to shake and move that energy. So I appreciate, appreciate you, but. Yeah, I remember that my, I was blown away as well. My body was like a firecracker <laughs> <laughs> and when my voice was making, you know, like the, I, I mean, I'm, I'm a very expressive person, but it was very, very strong, you know? Yeah. And then, now, now I'm curious because, um, and I'm so glad that you brought that in now because um, maybe your science can weave inside with this a little bit. And um, you know, I'm doing this mission with the mountains. 
this uh, it's another part of the crowning series called the crowning series attunements, which is um, where I was asked to not working with the forks only I only worked with the forks in opening the earth star and the sun star chakras. Um, but working with my voice, sing the song lines and tune, essentially tune or sing the songs of each one of the chakra points that are laid out in the mountains here in the Cape of Good Hope in the Cape Peninsula, which were found by Dean Laprini as well, who was also at Ubuntu, you met him. Yeah, I bought some of his uh, dowsing rods. Yeah, yeah. And and um, basically, I was asked to ask the mountains, and they said, yes, absolutely, we agree. If they would be what you were, for all of the people in, if they will be, or are, they have, they've agreed, they're doing it, what you were in that room for the whole of humanity, and the animals and the, you know, all of the children of Gaia, if they would do that. Um, and, and they agreed. So okay yeah, just made that just made all of the hair stand up the back of my neck when you said that they would hold space like that mm. yeah they, they um, have they can handle they're a lot more solid i was kind of like shaking like a leaf and like crying <laughs> <laughs> but yeah i'm sure they'll they'll be able to hold it down i that's very exciting i'm really excited to see and experience that yeah, I mean, as, as we sit here now, we are this month, they said, I was told, you know, you know what I mean when I say that by the voice inside my head, <laughs> I was told, or well, that comes through my heart or whatever, um, to release one a month. So to work through to open the Earth Star and the Sun Star, and it's so great. Dean even found he found the Earth Star, he found the feet. <laughs> You know, and then he didn't find the sun star, but I found the sun star, so that was fine. Um, <clears throat> and then to to um, sing the song line, sing open a song line flowing through the rainbow body chakra system, which in these mountains it's it's quite cool because there's a lower heart and a higher heart space that Dean um, established. He, he he you know pinpointed. So we worked with both. And to to sing open the song line flowing on the pathway or with in the order of the pathway of the, the rainbow labyrinth, which is a manifestation pathway, to awaken and align the wonder wisdom, to bring the wonder wisdom of the divine child frequencies that is is each of us when we are perfectly in in the Trinity consciousness sacred family of the, the father, mother, child, you know, masculine, feminine, child, you know, all of that stuff, um, well postured and in the human form um, to, you know, following the labyrinth pathway. So it starts with the solar plexus, which of course is where the will, the will stands up and aligns with its higher will purpose place and intentions get spoken and sung and this kind of stuff. And now in this moon cycle, and uh, we are inside with the solar plexus. So, and then next month we move to the next point. Um, and <clears throat> so on Friday, I'm going there with a group of people and we're going to sing and the, the attunement, the video and sound is already online for people to work with. But now 
from the point of view of a scientist and the biofield and all of the stuff that you've observed, because I know you've got scientific observation is like super awesome. Um, over the years of working with the biofield actively, I know that you've also done work with the body of Earth. Yes. And so, yes. So I would love for you to open up some of that stuff. And if you can bring into the story we've just through your your flow of intuition and consciousness, um, you know, to align with what what we're doing here, which also steps out of the time, because like if a person discovers this pathway in two years time, it's still going to be active because of course the mountains are still resonating the song. Um, yeah, so I was, you know, working with a, a friend of mine and they had told me that there was a, a ley line up or a dragon line up the into the woods near their house. We drove up there and they were using dousing rods and they were like, okay, we found it here. Let, let me see if you can find it in the same spot. I said, okay, well, I'm going to come from the other way. So I came from the other side and I got a line right here. So there was about six feet difference between where she found it and where I found it over here. And she's like, huh, I wonder why you found it there. I said, well, it's probably a double plasma membrane, like the magnetosphere, the heliosphere, all of these things, they all kind of have these kind of membranes. And so when I'd run the tuning fork along the edge of this, this line, this energy that I felt, it's like you're walking and then boom, like you're almost kind of hitting an energetic wall. And what it felt like was split ends. So it felt like it was like, just kind of curling off and the banks of the river weren't strong. So I just used the tuning fork and, and kind of strengthened that side while she was strengthening that side. So we were really strengthening the banks of the river. And I just set the intention and off to infinity, you know, with this edge of the line and then to that edge of the line so that the whole thing was getting cleared. And then we would stand in the middle and take turns striking a, Kind of a higher frequency fork i think it was 528 and we were setting positive intentions you know love and gratitude and compassion and and courage and 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 putting and striking that and eventually i don't even remember what word that we finally said uh, freedom and then it went bing and all of a sudden the, the it sounded really reflective and instead of like really absorbing the sound because sometimes when you strike it'll feel like it's just getting sucked out well then this time it's just was ringing reflective and it sounded super bright we're like done so then i went to india and uh had found some ley lines there i had trained some people in uh, australia how to find ley lines and tune them somebody in england how to do it and then my friend back in vermont so we did some at some point you know organize for all of us to tune one at the same time you know and where we worked out the time zones and that was really quite quite fun and interesting but then also i've been able to work with uh, lasers and be able to shine um, lasers down that as well put that coherent light in that in that stream as well but i was trained by uh, david yarrow y-a-r-r-o-w he is an amazing man absolutely mind-blowing and he you know taught me about the difference between ley lines and dragon lines and you know magnetic loops so you know there's places where it comes in and then goes along the planet but then it comes back out and up and so there's just a magnetic field line versus electrical lines and um 
And then what to look for on the territory too, as far as if you see little patches of white flowers, that could be an intersection point of two lines where it's creating a spring where the energy is going to spring up. Or sometimes you'll just see a random like divot in the ground. And that is actually a place where it, these two lines crisscross, but it actually they'll, it'll spiral energy down. And that's where you tend to see also ant beds. So where you find these big ant, you know, huge things, you find find that. So I've um, and then Dean, you know, he taught me how if there's an energy line going through your property, you can get a piece of rebar and put it in the ground at a rose quartz, and it can jump. You know, depending on how big, how far you've got to jump over your land, it's the bigger the size of the rose quartz, and and it'll leap over you and you know hit your neighbor or whatever <laughs> which is which is which yeah. very helpful because living in the middle of a river <laughs> of energy can be yeah. quite, um challenging yeah well that happened you know once i started learning how to do that that my partner there was one going through the bed and he was in it and i was out so like i was on the bank of the river but he was sleeping in it all the time and i don't i don't know you know it's probably a lot of energy for him to be processing that maybe he wasn't processing very well but um um oh gosh i we need to end now but i'd really really like to um do another one with you just to talk about the, the land <laughs> and the other one i wanted to say is i want you know you had found the high heart i wonder if you could find the unicorn point which is one that I'd learned about with the Zoroastrians. This is that lilac or lavender color here. So it may, you might be able to find with the dowsing rod, if you set the intention to find the unicorn point, because this that con connection between the crown and the brow can be very uh, powerful one. Yeah. Just throwing it out there. It's interesting because where, where the crown is, is actually kind of, it's in, in the city. That's where the crown spinner is and where i found it because dean kind of said to me it's it's between here and here right and um and so we walked the path me and the cameraman walked the path between here and here and um along the way where i felt it in my being the strongest and and this in and in the song was right near where the the city hall is which is where the big organ is which is where you know like and it's where the kind of old like it's a big gathering place old city hall very old stones and and i recognize those stones as pieces of the mountain you know those big old stone buildings and so they're holding the frequency now um primarily which is awesome so does the building have a dome it has like some some dome sections, yes, and on the inside it's perfect acoustics because it's an it's built for opera. So mm -hmm. yeah, I would like to sing inside there. <laughs> I have to yeah. organize it. I I don't think you know backdoor. I'd like to sing it in an organized way, not just backdoor it. But <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah um, yeah, I'd love to talk with you and finding the unicorn point is a good idea at the moment because I had to sing it, sing to the center of the labyrinth in time for the December solstice. And right. I got in there on the December solstice, I entered the center. So inside with my frequencies or the song, we're in the center now, but and now we're unrolling it over the next seven, eight months. 
um, because there's two hearts. So we're going to take two two months to go through lower heart, higher heart. Um, and <clears throat> but I know that when we come out, all of the world is going to be a different experience, all of life. And so mm -hmm. I'm going to I'll see if I can locate that unicorn point for the way out. That'll be fun. We might even need to do it before then, because like, for example, the Hara here, as it, as it is inside of the synchronicities, there's a fence running directly between the male and female polarities. There's, there's a division, mm -hmm. which is interesting. And um, what I was told is that with the next full moon, which will be inside with the Hara, rather than taking people to that place we must go to the lower heart no the higher heart we must go to the higher heart and essentially column those two places at the same time <laughs> if you like you know um yeah. to to assist with the the healing of the hara yeah with the higher heart so so we're not going to yeah it's an unfolding adventure it's wonderful i, I would love it if you joined <laughs> even at a distance I'd love to. Yeah. On Friday, if you feel like tuning, if I don't know, it might be the middle of the night, but we're going to be in, at sunrise, we'll be at Pyramid Rock, um, the solar plexus, all seeing mm -hmm. eyes. If you want to join us. Yeah, I'll do my best. <laughs> so, Kimberly, closing final words, is there anything else that you'd like to share now in, in this um, time together? Well, I just, I want to thank you again. Um, I guess if people want to know more about the, the work that I've done and um, the work that I'm doing, uh, biofieldlab.com is the, my business, my website, and that's where you can find more about the thermal imaging, tuning forks, lasers, and some other equipment that I use for studying the biofield. Beautiful. And also, you're going to find all of that information in the description below. So please do come closer to Kimberly if, if you would like to. Um, and subscribe, like, share, <laughs> all of those things. Explore the rest of the channel. Enjoy and have a beautiful, beautiful day, evening, morning, night, whatever time you find this. Thank you.